0: Well, we are quickly approaching the end of the Old Testament and getting ready to go into the New Testament. And uh, it's been fun. A couple more weeks of Malachi, then uh, a message that I'm just pulling out of my hat. Then I go on my trips, come back, and hit the New Testament. By the way, speaking of my trips, just to remind you once more, I'm going to be leaving, uh, I think it's the third week of May, I'm not sure, to California, then the next week to Israel. Two weeks gone, come back, uh, take me about 10 days to survive jet lag. Oh, last year it was horrid. I mean, really, I used to, what's jet lag? But last time I took this trip, I was sucked out for 10 solid days. It was really weird. I was just sitting there. It's almost like having a flu. It's just, anyway, so I'll take a, a week to recover, then I'll be with you again for a couple weeks. And then I'm taking a couple weeks off just for the family to hang out. So I'm going to be gone several weeks this summer. I do want to encourage you, though, to still be here. I don't know what it is with people, but oftentimes they say, well, if the pastor's playing hooky, I'm playing hooky. God's still here. Your brothers and sisters are still here. You'll still have services. So I want to encourage you to be faithful. But if we do have visitors, um, make sure you make them feel extra welcome and let them know, hey, he will be back. It's funny, one of our members last week, he says, you know, I've been around the block a few years. you candidating for another church? Because often when pastors go away for several weeks on the sly, they're looking for another church. No, I'm not candidating for another church. I just told you what I'm doing. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. <laughs> but then I did tell him, hey, if San Diego calls, I'm going. So, <laughs> And I'm taking you with me, absolutely. That would be awesome. All right, now, on to the message. We're in the book of Malachi. And um, by way of introduction, we're going to answer a fun question. What do you give to somebody who's got everything? You ever have a hard time finding gifts for people? Let me see your hands. Yeah, we always do. Because we're, uh, we are so fortunate as a nation. We pretty much have everything we need and a lot of what we want. And so when it's birthday again, you know, Mother's Day again, Uh, Christmas again? We're like, what do we get him? What a great problem to have, huh? Remember back in the day, what do we get him? How about some shoes? Because he hadn't had a new pair in six years, you know? How about some food? No, we're way past that. So I went to some, what do you get the guy who's got everything website? Let's pull up the first picture that I want to share with you. A cell phone, Steve, really? No, no, no. This isn't a cell phone. This is a 18 karat yellow or white gold encased with baguette-cut diamond key cell phone, which can be yours for a mere $88,000. Now, I'm thinking, what do you do after it becomes obsolete in two years? You've got an $88,000 paperweight. So, but hey, if you've got a couple million to burn and you want to get somebody the gift you can get the gift. But if you think, nah, we've all got our cell phones, we don't need to get a gift of a cell phone, how about this next photograph? Your own private plane. This is, let me read from the website, the Icon A5 sports aircraft comes with a streamlined two-seat interior and an amphibious hull, landing gear for use on water or land, and it can be yours for $250,000. Comes with full FAA-certified training for pilots for two. $250,000. But hey, not everybody's got one of these. But for those of you with more modest means, how about a new doghouse? Yeah, that's a doghouse. Running water, cable TV, air conditioning, and of course electricity to fuel the air conditioning. Only eight grand. Now if it would keep the dogs out of my house, you know, honey, we should talk. Uh, man, that might not be a bad investment for me. Actually, how about we just take out the Bogan Vias, throw in a cactus or two and call that a man cave and I'll move in. How many of you guys are in the dog house? Never mind, don't let's not go there. But for the more frivolous-minded amongst you, how about your very own, you ready for this, cupcake car? You even get to choose your topping. (laughs) Seven miles an hour, electric motor goes (laughs) for a measly $25,000. Where would you drive this thing? Where would you be willing to be seen in this thing? I guess in a parade, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be caught dead in that thing. Well, I guess if I was wearing the little candy top hat, maybe. <laughs> Yikes. This one is much more practical. This is the Hollandia Sleep System. Features a his-and-her built-in remote control massager, a retractable 32-inch flat panel. Why is it retractable? If I'm in it. I'm watching. <laughs> a DVD CD changer, five-speaker surround sound system, subwoofer, an iPod docking station, $35,000 dollars. Wow. Hey, it's only money. Jose, here's your next gift. Let's take a look. These are golden case speakers. I mean solid gold. You can go with white or yellow, 18 karat. Apparently wood is always the standard for a good speaker sound, but they have found that gold is even better than wood. I'll never know. <laughs> Because this pair of speakers costs $4 million. I wonder if I could have just one of them. <laughs> 50% discount. Great. I'll buy two. So really, what do you give the person who has everything? And that's just a figure of speech because nobody has everything. Probably anybody doesn't have any of these. So it would make a great gift. So we, we just we're exaggerating when we say, oh, they have everything. But really, God does have everything, doesn't he? So what do you give God? My lesson today is about what should we give God? Talk about the person who has everything. Let's say you own Dodge. It wasn't a public-traded company with a board? You own Dodge. Every car that came off the production line, you owned it till you sold it to a dealer somewhere. It was yours. Imagine somebody then taking one of those Dodges and giving it to you as a gift. You'd like, would you appreciate that? It's like, no, it's... I own Dodge. I don't need a Dodge. I got Dodge. Or let's say if you wanted to give God a diamond. Well, it's his diamond. It's like taking a diamond out of his jewelry box and giving it back to him. He owns the world. So coming up with gifts for God would be pretty much impossible. But we give gifts to people because we love them. Because we want to honor them and show them our appreciation. So God made it easy for ancient Israel. And I'll talk about us later. We're going to start with ancient Israel and then move up to us. He told them, there's three things I want from you. And he spelled it all out. And so we're going to look at three of those things. And then we're going to see modern applications for us. All right, the very first thing is sacrifice. Now, hopefully most of you understand why, but that's not the point of today's lesson. We'll go into that another time, and we've talked about it in the past. But the first thing he said he wanted from humanity was sacrifice. There's an entire book of the Bible dedicated to all the specifics and the details of how those sacrifices were to go down. It's called Leviticus. All sorts of sacrifices, sin offerings, peace offerings, trespass offerings, burnt offerings, and the list goes on and on. This is how you prepare it. This is how you uh, get it ready to be prepared. This is how you, all the bells and whistles, everything. Uh, Every Jewish male, remember the Old Testament, God had the nation of Israel. Those were the people he was dealing with. Those were his beta testers. So he told ancient Israel, three times a year, I want every male to go to Jerusalem and offer a sacrifice during three of the festivals, Passover, Festival of Tabernacles, and the Festival of Weeks, also known as Pentecost. And in addition to that, there were sacrifices for all sorts of other events. So God had them build a temple. They would have sacrifices there around the clock, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, not literally around the clock, three times a day, every day. But the people really didn't honor God, and they started to worship idols, and the temple was destroyed, and the people were dispersed. And God brought them back. They built the temple again. They weren't worshiping idols again, but something else happened that ruined everything. Let me read to you. This is the book of Malachi. This is what it says. So they're bringing offerings to God at the new temple, and here's what he says. When you bring a blind or sick or lame animal to sacrifice to me, do you think there's nothing wrong with that? Try giving an animal like that to the governor. Would he be pleased with you or grant you any favors? So these people were taking these sacrifices to the animals, uh, uh, to God, but these animals were like, they were gross. They were diseased. They were sick. They were lame. They were the worst of the flock. They could have just put them down and throw them in a ditch, but instead they brought them to God. Could you imagine? Oh, and then they pray. Oh, God, thank you for all these. Please give me food and prosperity and health and please give my wife a baby. So imagine you want a political favor. So you go to the governor and you want to sweeten the pot a little. So you say, hey, governor, I, I, I want to give you something. Really? What do you want to give me? I've got a car for you. you. You want to give me a car? Yeah, come on. Let me show you. So you take them out to the parking lot and there's a beater out there. Flat tire. Windows busted in, rusty doors. And he'd say, hey, this car's for you, man. Now, would you do me a favor? He would have you hauled out of there by security so fast, fine you for leaving that piece of junk in his parking lot. This is the parallel. They were doing this to God. So obviously, these people had no respect for God. So then, why were they bringing sacrifices in the first place? They were religious people. Religious people do religion, that's what they do but it had nothing to do with God. They didn't really like God. They didn't care about God. Listen, there are a lot of religious people that don't like God. Don't make the mistake of thinking religious equals godly or that religious equals God-liking. Most religious people don't love God. I'd rather hang out with an atheist or an agnostic than a religious person. That's a phony. I'm not exaggerating. I'm telling you the truth. I hate hypocrites. You know, and we're all somewhat hypocritical, but I mean the religious kind are the worst. You know, Jesus spent most of his time yelling at people who were hypocrites. He yelled at the religious people. And when the, the, the out-and-out pagan heathens came up to him, he'd speak nicely and offer them salvation. But when the religious came around, he'd condemn them and rail on them and tell them they, they were going to hell. He had his worst words for them. So the first thing God asked for was sacrifice. And what did this group of people end up doing in bringing in the sick and the lame and the disease? And then they'd ask him for favors. There's a passage in this Malachi chapter that God says, I just wish somebody would shut and lock the temple doors and keep you guys from making any sacrifices at all. Wouldn't you rather have no gifts than nasty gifts like this? It's an insult. It's kind of like leaving the waiter a nickel. You do that to insult, not because you're leaving a gift. Well, giving God a lame sacrifice is like leaving a nickel tip. It's an insult. And God said, stop, I'm not interested. Second thing he asked ancient Israel for were tithes. That means 10% of their produce. Anything that they had of value that they brought in year after year, be it from their herds or their, their farms, he wanted 10%. That's what tithe means, 10%. It was a requirement. Ancient Israel. Listen, Leviticus 27. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. The entire tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that p- passes under the shepherd's rod, will be holy to the Lord. Why did God want 10% of their flocks and crops? He owned everything and he doesn't need anything. He's God, he doesn't eat apples. So why would he want 10% of the orchard? He doesn't eat sheep, why does he want sheep? The only thing I can think of is that and this is so godlike that it's a benefit to us to learn how to give and honor. It's not a benefit to him at all. When we learn to give, how many of you've heard the saying it's more blessed to give than to receive? Now, how many of you have experienced it in your life and you actually believe it? I totally do, yeah. So God's teaching us how to give. And he's teaching us how to honor and respect. And he's teaching us something about thanksgiving and gratitude. Now, I know we don't do this, but we probably should. And it makes a good point. Let's just say, you know, Jose brings me a big fat chocolate cake because he knows I love big fat chocolate cakes. And so we get all the staff together around at the office, and we slice it up. Here, Michael, here's your piece. Um, Bought you some milk, because I know you like milk with your cake. John, here's a piece. Jen, here's a piece. Lois, here's a piece. Rusty, here's a piece. Then we bring in all the children workers, and we say, here's a piece, here's a piece. And Jose never gets a piece. How messed up would that be? How about Jose sets the cake down, gives me the spatula, I cut it. Say, Jose, you get the first piece. Now let's dive in. That would be cool. That would be right. God gives us everything. Every perfect gift comes from God. Or how about this scenario? You've been unemployed for a few months. You've never had a job that's paid barely over minimum wage. And somebody comes up to you and says, I've got a $100,000 a year job. You can have it. But I want something in return. What? 10%. Every year you've got to give me 10% of your paycheck. You'll make 100 grand. That means you'll make 90 grand and I get 10 percent kickback for giving you the job deal the unemployed person is gonna say deal I'm in thank you thank you thank you 90 grand and you only want 10 grand that's like still four times what I've ever made before in my life thank you thank you thank you that's right now imagine this gives you the job and you say no I'm not giving you squat man but I gave you the job No, I got this job on my own merit so Ancient Israel was told to tithe. It was a way of recognizing that God gave them everything. And it was a way of thanking and honoring him for doing so. And it's also an expression of trust. Because like Jose gets the first piece of cake, God gets the first of the tithe. You trust more is going to follow. You don't know it's all going to follow. But you trust him because you've got to deal with God. So God required from ancient Israel sacrifice... And at first it worked out good, but soon they started offering him garbage. So he asked for a tithe. Imagine what they did with the tithe. Well, let me tell you what they did with the tithe. Malachi, ever since the time of your forefathers, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, well, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. See, God told them that if they would follow his decrees and statutes, he would bless them tremendously. They would never get sick. Their crops would burst through their barns. Their enemies would flee from them. But if they stopped honoring God, just the opposite would happen. So when he says they're under a curse, this is a reminder of the covenant. They have failed the covenant. They've dis- dissed God. Now they're under the curse. So God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Why wouldn't they? I mean, they had such a good deal 90 grand a year. Why give that up? But they gave it up. I think a lot of people would stop tithing for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's because they like money more than God and they don't want to give it away. It's mine. And God isn't really here. He's just the spirit up in heaven, and he's not going to miss it. And when I don't give it to him, he doesn't knock on my door and remind me. It's like, is he really there? So they weren't really sure in the relationship to God. They weren't really his. They were playing religious, but they didn't really believe in God. Eh, Maybe he's there, but you know. Also, people don't like to tithe because it's a trust thing. That's 10%. What if I need it? So here's what God said to them. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you'll not have enough room for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. The vines in your fields will not catch their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. So God had this deal with them. So let's go back to my $90,000 a year job. Okay? So I told you I gave you $100,000 a year. You give me 10%, you get $90,000. Well, God just upped the ante. He says, I'll tell you what. I'm going to give you a $100,000 a year job. You give me 10 grand. That gives you 90,000. But because of your faithfulness, I'm going to give you another 50 grand on top of it. Nah! That's what they said. Nah! And so they thought they were doing good by saving 10%. Now, how stupid is that? They weren't saving 10%. They were losing 90%. It was just pure stupid. But it wasn't based in their intellect. It was based on their faithlessness. That's why they wouldn't do it. So God wanted three things. He wanted sacrifices. He wanted tithes. And the third thing he wanted was love and obedience. Now, I don't even have to tell you. I'm sure if I quizzed you, you would all know. Did they give him love and obedience? You know by the answer to the first two that they didn't give him the three. Number third, number third, number three, regulated number one and two. If they loved God, they would have sacrificed properly and they would have tithed. The fact that they didn't sacrifice properly and they didn't tithe is evidence that they didn't love and obey him. So God asked for three things. They gave him goose egg. They gave him nothing. What do you give the person who has everything? The person you love and respect and want to show you honor? Nothing. They didn't love, respect. They didn't honor. They didn't sacrifice right because they didn't love and obey God. They didn't tithe because they didn't love and obey God. A person who loved and obeyed God would have sacrificed properly and would have tithed. But it doesn't just end there. There's another way to dishonor God. You can tithe and still not honor God. Oh, I want to get, look good, or I want to win his favor, so I'm going to pay my dues, and then God owes me his favor. Jesus talked about this. Listen. Now, remember, this might blow your mind, but Jesus lived in the Old Testament. Right? He was still there when there were sacrifices and temples and all those rules for Moses applied to his lifetime. He taught those things, but he taught them from the right perspective. This is exactly what he's doing here. How terrible for you Pharisees. You give to God one-tenth. You tithe of, of the seasoning herbs, such as mint and rue and all the other herbs, but you neglect justice and love for God. These you should practice without neglecting the others. He says, tithing's great, but you're not giving love and respect. You're diligent to tithe, but negligent for love. They missed the whole point of the whole thing. God doesn't need money. It's not about the money. Do you remember that time? The, they were standing in front of the temple watching people throw their wealth into the treasury, into the collection boxes. And then Jesus says, watch this little old lady here. And she throws in just a little copper coin, which is worth a pittance, you know, a few pennies. And he said, this woman has put in more than all those others. And I'm sure the disciples were like, what? What? She gave all that she has. That's the end of her money. She gave 100%. These guys, they're just giving in a touch of their vast fortune. And the disciples are probably going, oh, I get it. Yeah. Back to what I was telling you before. Religion without love is worse than no religion at all. God wasn't impressed that they were tithing their mint. God wanted their hearts And without that, the tithe meant nothing to him. Sacrificing a bad animal was wrong, but sacrificing a good animal with a bad heart is also wrong. Jesus talked about that too. Whoever's angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Therefore, if you bring your gift gift, uh, sacrifice. This is talking about bringing a sacrifice to the temple. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. Don't even offer your sacrifice. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. So the idea, the sacrifice, even if it's a good one, if your heart's not in the right place, it's a worthless sacrifice. It wasn't about the money, it was about the heart. It wasn't about the sacrifice, it was about the heart. The love and obedience regulated the other two. He wanted three things from ancient Israel. Sacrifice, tithes, love and obedience, and love and obedience regulated the other two. Now, let me bring this forward to modern times. Because obviously we're not under that system today. If I were to say, what does God want from me today? No pastor would say he wants sacrifice, he wants uh, tithe, and he wants love and obedience as of the three. But there is a definite modern correlation. So I guess I could say he wants those things. Let me tell you what I mean one at a time. Listen to what Romans says about sacrifices. So then, my friends, because of God's great mercy to us, I appeal to you, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God dedicated to his service, and pleasing to him. This is the true worship that you should offer. So what does God want you to bring to the altar? Yourself as a living sacrifice. You're the sacrifice. And then you get to choose if you're lame and diseased or not. And what I mean by that isn't how your body is. I mean, how is your soul? Are you going to give him 100% of your soul? Are you going to serve him with all your heart? Or are you just going to give him the dregs, the leftovers, the crumbs? I think if you come to God with anything less than 100%, it's like a lame and diseased offering. God wants 100% of your heart. He doesn't want half of it. Imagine this. Honey, we've been dating for six months now, and I really, really like you a lot. Would you marry me? And I promise to be dedicated to you 50%. <laughs> I will love you until it's too hard and uncomfortable to do so and I find somebody prettier. Uh. Snookums. <laughs> who, would, who, who would take that commitment? Hey, I'm opening up a new business. Need a partner. Would you like to own it with me? Yeah, I'm in. Uh, when it's convenient. I'll be kind of like a I'll be a partner who's there sometimes. No, man, you're in or you're out. Hey, you want to join my football team? Absolutely, man. I'll be the best quarterback in the industry when I show up. Because, you know, boys got to do some things. In life, we do not accept that. Go to your governor. Offer him that sacrifice. Would he be pleased? Said Malachi. Malachi. Go to God. Offer him half your heart. You know, there was a young man came up to Jesus one day. And he said, Master, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you know the commandments do them. He says, I've kept them all, but I'm lacking something. And Jesus says, okay, here's what you need to do. Take all that you have and sell it. Give it to the poor and come follow me. And it says he went away sorrowful because he was very wealthy. What did Jesus want? If you think Jesus wanted his money, you've missed the whole point of the story. The man came up to Jesus and says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, keep all the commandments. He said, I have. And the rest of the story is Jesus showing him he hadn't. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Sell what you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. You can become a disciple of the king of the universe, the Messiah, now, now. If you're willing to take me over your stuff. And the guy said, I'll pass. That was his problem. The problem wasn't the money. The problem was his heart. He loved money more than he loved God. Had he had five bucks or five billion bucks, his problem wasn't the money. It was his heart. And Jesus didn't say, ah, that's all right. Just sell 10% and come follow me. I'll take take 90% of you or 10% of you. I'm good. Jesus let him go away, people. Jesus won't take half your heart, he won't take 90% of your heart. You're in or you're out with Jesus. 100% or 0%. That's all. Those are the options he gives us. Take him or leave him. Two options. So that's the deal with sacrifice. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God. That's our sacrifice today. Romans 12:1. How about tithing? The New Testament doesn't talk about tithing. When I say the New Testament doesn't talk about tithing, I mean, of course Jesus talked about tithing, but that was tied to the old system of supporting the temple and the priesthood. There's no verse in the New Testament that says, give 10% of your income to the church. I'm sure the other pastors are saying, Steve, you just ruined us. No, because there is a modern correlation. Let me read to you a verse from 2 Corinthians. You should each give then, as you have decided, not with regret or out of a sense of duty, For God loves the one who gives gladly. And God's able to give you more than you need so that you'll always have all you need for yourselves. Check it out. God wants you to give and you'll always have more than you need. Doesn't that just sound like, test me and I'll open the floodgates of heaven. It's a parallel. You'll always have more than you need. Why? So that you'll have enough for every good cause. So that you can give even more. This was a passage dealing with about giving to the church for the benefit of the poor. And, of course, we collect here once a month for the benefit of the poor in our own congregation. Tithing is not just an Old Testament thing. It's a concept that was instituted before that and has its applications after that. Abraham. Now, you've got to understand, Abraham lived about 500 years before Moses. Moses is the one who wrote all the laws for God for Israel about tithing. So this was hundreds of years before anybody even knew what that stuff was. His brother or cousin or brother-in-law, whatever it was, Lot, was kidnapped with the entire city he lived in. A bunch of kings got together, kidnapped him, took him off and spoiled a bunch of towns and started taking their booty home with all their captives. Abraham gathered 300 trained men and went after them and attacked them. The guys were probably drunk, took them by sleep at night. God was with him. I don't know how it all went down, but I know Abraham rescued Lot and seized all the booty from all those armies. Abraham was instantly extremely wealthy, and he did a good job. He, he delivered all these people back to their homes. Uh, everybody was indebted to Abraham at this point because he rescued all these families. Well, while he's got these mountains of gold and jewels, a man appears. We'll call him a man. The Bible calls him Melchizedek. Melchizedek means the king of righteousness. Priest of the most high God. Now, I think this was Jesus Christ in disguise. There's a lot of reasons for me to believe that. But whatever he was, it says he was priest of the most high God, and Abraham gave him 10% of everything. What did he do that for? Well, why Does anybody give a gift to God? Appreciation, respect, trust, acknowledgement of who gives it. People will often ask me, am I supposed to tithe today, Steve? Let's not worry about number one and number two. Let's worry about number three. Love and obedience. How much do you love God? You decide how much you want to give him. Oh, but Steve, it'd be helpful if you could tell me what the Bible says. I just did. Love God with all your heart, and you decide how much you want to give him. I can tell you how much Abraham gave, and I can tell you how much he required the Levites to give, but I can't, I mean, to give the Levites, but I can't tell you how much you're supposed to give. That's entirely up to you. So there is a New Testament correlation to sacrifice. There is a New Testament parallel to tithing. And there is a New Testament parallel to love and obedience for sure. John fourteen twenty three, Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come and make our home with him. If anyone loves me, he will obey me. That's what Jesus said. Obedience isn't easy. We're we're just dirt with a little breath in us. But is it your passion? Do you want to love God? Yeah, I do. Then make it your goal to obey God. You won't always succeed. We're humans. We can't. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He cares that you try. He cares that you care. He cares that you want to. He knows that you can't. He's got that end covered. That's why Jesus died for us. To take care of the can't. But only you can take care of the care. Do you care to? And that's that's entirely up to you. But he loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son to be tortured and to bear your sin, which you and I will never be able to understand what that means. How a holy God Can take on human flesh and be touched by sin. I can't even imagine the sacrifice that entailed. But he did it happily, voluntarily, to win your love and to save your soul. And he really wants one thing in return your love. I love a lot of people, and none of them have done anything close to that for me. And I know you love a lot of people. And I'll guarantee you, none of them have done anything close like that to you or for you. So what's not to love about Jesus? Please join me in prayer. Jesus, thank you so much. You gave your all, not to save us, but to give us a chance to be saved. Because not all of us will choose the chance. It's it's horrible. Thank you. Thank you. But do whatever you can to open our hearts to appreciate that love, to open our minds. Lord, it would be a shame if people heard of that love and didn't respond to it, rejected it just outright. So for us at Book of Life Community Church, God, help us to be lovers of men. Help us to be the kind of people that attract people to you. Help us to just be a little piece of what you are, kind and gentle and patient and also strong, thoughtful, caring. God, help us to be like you. And help us to love you with all our heart, soul, and might. For our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. And all of God's children said, amen. amen.